If I was to do a recent cardboard testimony, I would say in two years I've buried my parents, both of my parents, and I have also buried the relationship with both of my daughters. And last night, or at the funeral, the man at my dad's funeral said that my dad had not been buried, he'd been planted. And last night, in my sleep, the Lord told me that my children have also been planted in the fertile soil of God's love. So underneath all the grief and sorrow, it's still there, right? Right at the surface, ready to break through. I have found underneath all the guilt and all the shame and all the confusion of their choices, our choices, and where we are today, my children specifically, underneath all that, I have found the Lord's transforming love for me. So many times when we're talking about healing, we want the Lord to heal them. And I do want that, but I first and foremost want him to heal me. And so I'm so grateful for his hand. I have um, so many things I could show you visually, but I'm going to just ask you to use your imagination. Has anybody seen the Iron Man movies? Anybody? Okay. The rest of you are just going to have to pretend, okay? There's this classic scene where... Chuck, are you going to play that? Sure. <clears throat> Do you need me to turn this off? Uh, no, but I don't know why I have it doesn't really matter that you have volume. Okay. It says the key to the future is in the past. <clears throat> or it says the key to the future is here, is actually what it said. Uh, this is something that his dad made, uh, a prototype. And he's trying to find something he's lost and stuck trying to find something to heal himself, actually. There's your volume.
Okay, Chuck, we're good. So when I was asking the Lord how to unpack the days that we're living in, this was the scene that he brought to my mind, is that we look at this complex uh, model of things that are going on, and he's asking us today, and not just today, going forward, that we would actually scan the landscape that we live in, and that we would bring it up and actually examine. And if you'll notice, in the process, he got rid of footpath. He got rid of trees. Did you see all the things he got rid of? All the things that don't really matter. Can we get rid of a lot of the things that don't really matter? And then let's find out central point. What is the central point that the, is the most important thing of our day? <clears throat> if I started breaking down all the elements that were on that board, it's things that you and I are intimately acquainted with. It's things that we think the other person sitting at our table is not intimately acquainted with, but I've been doing this for 30 years, and I'm telling you, she's sitting right next to you. Abortion, gender issues herself or children with or husbands with, pornography, issues with trafficking, under a man's foot at church, in the corporation, racial issues, violence to women. Shall I go on? is we see everywhere this overwhelming sense of harm, damage, brokenness that comes against each one of us, and we go, why, O oh Lord? I've got some nice things to say, and I've got some really hard things to say, so I just want to give you some preparation if you don't know me, okay? And they're said with absolute love, and that is the nicest way I could say that. Are you guys so proud of me? That was really good. I know. (laughs) Can I just tell you that this talk, I've had more trepidation about this talk than I've had in years. And you know why? Because I found in my own heart, I have been walking through the things going, God, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do when my kids are so far from everything that has been put into them. When they are violating your own codes, when they are making choices, and then I'm realizing all these amazing things. So it's like, what you're getting today is me coming back from my time on my knees with the Lord. So please don't think that I'm doing this, I'm right in it with you and still walking through it. But here's what I know is that we women have been entrenched in submission to the wrong man. Do I need to say that again? You've been entrenched in submission to the wrong man. You can blame the church. You can blame the man, which we do. He has his own share of guilt. But I want to tell you what your culture is doing it. I'm not going to show this scene because I've got beautiful things to show you. I did not watch Handmaid's Tale. (coughs) I saw a preview of it, and every fiber of my spirit just went crazy. It just, I was so offended. I was so offended in my spirit that someone would depict this about our God. 
that they would depict this about our women, our sisters. How dare you? How dare you talk about him? And there's actually a scene, if you've watched it, you know the punishment scene I'm talking about. Handmaid's Tale is about where they value a woman only for her ability to make children. So they like give her to these unfertile couples and the woman is there while her husband is having sex with this maid so that she will produce an heir and then they take the baby away from her as soon as she's born and we start the cycle all over again. Her only value is producing children. Oh, and did I mention that the people in power are religious zealots? So not only are we defaming women, we're also defaming God. And I'm going, I, I watched this one scene and it says they're getting ready to hang all these women. They fake them out. They don't hang them. And then the matron comes up and she starts spouting off. It almost sounds like truth. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And you shall fear him or you will suffer the wrath of his punishment for that is his love. Excuse me. I'm sorry. First John 4 says perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. But see, you know, I know that because I know him. So I can look at that crap in my culture and go, that's a barefaced bullshit lie. Now, do you have the same kind of discernment in the spirit to go, won't stand for that? I'm not going to stand for that. It's early. I'm already getting worked up. You guys, this is, I'm serious. Because you know what? I called a young woman, friend of mine, and I went, I don't know how you watch this. I watched some crazy stuff, but I don't know how you swam around this. She goes, what are you talking about? This perfectly represented the first 15 years of my life in Christianity. That my sole value was based on my ability to produce children. I was unheard, unseen, unvalued. This perfectly represents the commonality of us as women that we are hearing and we are feeling. I'm going, yes, Lord, that's right. So then what is the deal? What do we do? What do we do? Do we turn around and march in the streets and go, my uterus, it's all the man? Or, or do we stop and come back to the one central atom? The one central atom. And that is this verse right here out of Genesis. It says that you will be cursed and there will be an enmity, Genesis 3, between you and your offspring. Do you all remember this scripture in the garden? That because of you, because of what you have done to the woman, you will be at war. You will be at war forever. And you will be arch enemies. And she's going to crush you. Her offspring is going to crush you. But until that crushing comes, there will be this war. And I tell you, everything I just read off to you is the war of the enemy against the face of the woman of God. It's the face of the image of God in a woman. You think that there's not an onslaught coming against us? I tell you there is, and you're experiencing it yourself. I don't need to talk about pro-choice, pro-abortion. I need to talk about who is coming against womanhood, the whole of womanhood. So one of the things I'd like to take out is I don't want to talk about politics. I want to talk about Jesus. Let's talk about the central issue, because the central issue, my central identity, my central connection, my central source of healing is Jesus. And I have to sweep the table so that I can get away. Are you more devoted to your politics? Or are you devoted to Jesus? Are you pouring out your politics? Or are you pouring out a perfume of being crushed because you love Jesus so much? Amen? Can I tell you the two 
strongest and biggest churches on the face of the planet are in the, the church of Iran and also in China. And those are led by women. Sold out. Take my life. I will serve Jesus. Women. So we are so caught up in this lesser conversation. And I just want to say this to you. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It all matters. But we start from a place, first and foremost, what does heaven think about the topic that we are currently debating? I don't hear a lot of people talking about that. You'll notice that he said in this clip something about rediscover. I have to rediscover the goodness of God. I have to rediscover what is the actual truth, not what someone told me truth was. Can I tell you how many fallen pastors do you have to have male pastors? Do you have to have who fallen into sexual sin? I love that phrase, fallen. Like I'm just walking along. I'm doing so great. I'm, I'm oh, oh, oh. Girls, that's not what happened, and you damn well know it. Amen? They saw her, like David with Bathsheba, going, I'm going to have that. Amen? So please, let's not make victims out of our free will. Ooh, that's a word for somebody. Let's not make a victim out of your free will, because God gave that to you as a gift. And you also have the gift of experiencing your rewards or consequences for your free will. Beth Moore just recently posted about the ownership of people who are trying to lead others into the kingdom to not present to them a hybrid gospel. I just can't get it out of my head. Jesus plus nothing. Do you know that I saw this testimony of this woman? A male pastor was explaining why the church in Iran is so powerful. And so he gave this quote, and she says, every morning... My husband and I get up and we affirm our love for each other and we tell each other that we're so grateful for the family that we have, the home that we have, the joys that we've got to share because we are not clear if we will make it home at the end of the day because we will have shared the love of Jesus. Can I talk to you that that's freedom? That's freedom from social norms, social constraints, social comfort. That I take Jesus and nothing but Jesus. Oh, that we would be those kind of women. That's a pure gospel. And here's one thing I want you to have in your armory. Tom Holland is a renowned atheist who is quoted by atheists and also believing theologians that he says it is Christianity that elevated women. From the beginning of time, women have been treated as property, as baby-making machines. You could violate them at any time for any reason because they were property, they were sub-level. And it was Christianity, more specifically, it was Jesus Christ who came in and said, the rules have changed. He is our nucleus. He is our new beginning. He is the one that cursed the the snake, and he is the one who broke his head, crushed his heel, crushed him with his heel. It's like you've got to understand in one garden it was lost, and in the second garden it was regained. And if you don't know your Bible, go back and see where you are coming from. We are not victims, we are not powerless, we are not under him anymore. We're 
in love with. We are the bride of Christ. We have a standing. I have said this for I don't know how many years now. The time of women being viewed on earth as they are in heaven has come. It has come. It is here now. So why do you think that the onslaught is as bad as it is against the face of God in a woman? Mm. Y'all with me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm talking about for such a time as this. Not that you would get more versed in your politics, but that you would fall more in love with Jesus who has the power to change any situation. Amen? I don't need my power. I don't need my prowess. I need him to pour out in any given situation because I learned to love my enemies because his love can change anything. Amen. Genesis 3, 5 is that passage I was telling you. So I want to show you this heart clip about how important the heart is to the Lord. No, I don't. I want to play this first. I want to show you this story. The Lord just kept bringing me back to this as we talk about women. This is from the series called The Chosen. It's wonderful. And this is where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to turn this off, Chuck. Do you believe it when he says things about you? <clears throat> Do you believe it when he says that you're not rejected? Do you find comfort when the Lord tells you everything about you, even your deepest, deepest, darkest places? Can you be fully seen by him and have no shame or come with shame and leave without it? Amen. We all come to him with all these things. Hopefully we come to him. It's like coming quickly, expectantly, that he already knows and there's no fear, there's no shame, there's no rejection, there's no disgust. It's like how do we get free as women is we go to the one face to face who sees us and knows us and loves us and accepts us fully. Have you experienced living water? Ephesians 6, 12, just for those who don't know, this story is in John 4, John 4, 1, if you want to go back and read it in your scripture, uh, as opposed to visually like we just did. <clears throat> Ephesians 6 uh, talks about that we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in dark places. And I would like to suggest to you that we know how to fight this way, but we know how to fight each other. We know how to fight in the world system that we live in, but do we know how to fight spiritually? That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, and that we actually have the authority through Jesus to affect change on what's seen on earth. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. That's our birthright. And 2 Corinthians 10 says that we have divine weapons. We wage war with divine weapons. Well, what are those divine weapons? I'd like for you to leave here today knowing that you've been given the divine weapon of spirit and truth. If you have relationship with Jesus, regardless how small, you have been granted 
spirit and truth and he wants you to grow up in that and what do you need spirit and truth for you need that to be able to come back and address the issues of the day anybody can point a finger but Jesus heals I want to tell you one of the in the research that I've been doing things that the Lord has said, this is a phrase I keep hearing over and over again, is that we live in a day and age of personal happiness and my feelings direct my actions. Personal happiness supreme, in the West particularly. My personal happiness is more important than anything else. Even my life with God, if we're gonna be super candid. I can wink at all kinds of things as a Christian because my personal happiness. And I'd like to bring you back to this nucleus of Jesus who never one time in recorded history said to someone, <clears throat> just go ahead and keep saying that, it's fine, because it makes you happy. He never one time said that, but he did say, I don't judge or condemn your sin, but I do offer you a different path. I do offer you healing. I do offer you spirit and truth. And so there's something beautiful about us being able to be with him to figure out how to navigate these days. And I'd like to bring out a really old-fashioned word. Spirit and truth is also answer for sin. And I was asking the Lord, we don't even talk about sin anymore except to beat people up. It's like, I never talk about sin because we're on this side of the cross. But if we live in a place of sin that hampers our connection with God, if we live in a place of sin where we easily wound one another, if we live in a place where his life is not being poured out, we must deal with the infection of sin, right? It's been forgiven. We have to be continually cleansed from it. And we live in a day and age where instead of us looking at someone's behavior or choices or ideology or feelings, and we go, you deserve to be happy because, you know, love is love. And that is not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I love you so much. And that is not the path of life. All from the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture is, choose you this day whom you will serve. So the Lord gave me these three words for sin, selfishness, idolatry, and neglect. Sin is nothing more than selfishness, idolatry, and neglect. What I want is more important than what God says. What I want is more important <clears throat> than what the truth is. What I want is more important than how I might damage you in the process. Listen, you, you guys just have, I don't need a disclaimer, let me just, out of the overflow of my heart, let me tell you how much I get the shit you have endured at the hands of men. I have, you have, our daughters will, our sons will, I get it. But I can tell you that I spent the first 10 years of my Christian life so angry, not at God, but just like, I can't even breathe. I'm so angry that this is going on. And then finally the Lord just told me one day, he said, Jana, hold on to me because I'm bringing redemption to my sons just like I'm bringing redemption to my daughters. 
And so I want you to know we are part of God's master plan of bringing redemption to these men who are untrained and unrestrained. So we don't judge God by their behavior. We go, we're in the same boat. We're just on the opposite end. I'm not excusing them for one second. And if you want to meet with me one-on-one, we'll talk about how seriously I meet that. I'm all about boundaries. I'm all about consequences. But I'm also so keenly aware is that the problem is not men. The problem is sin. Idolatry that I have set up, I have formed for myself something in my own image or worse, my own country's image my own political party's image, my own denomination's image, that is idolatry. If it doesn't sound like Jesus and smell like Jesus and feel like Jesus and set free like Jesus and elevate like Jesus, it may not be Jesus. So I'd like to strengthen you in your spirit and truth that you're never going to go back. You're never going to go back in your churches and let somebody tell you that you can't. You're not going to go back in your home and him talk to you that way and go, uh, excuse me, I've had an upgrade. We don't do that. No more. Okay? It happens. Don't, don't laugh. It happens. And then neglect. You neglect your first love. You neglect the former things. You know, we just listened to this message. Ooh, Chuck, was that? It's either Chris Valentin or Bill Johnson. I'm not sure. One of them. We're talking about do the things that you did at first in your first love. And this year, this past June, um, a couple of weeks ago, I celebrated uh, 30 years of coming into the Lord. And I had to stop and think about when I really started coming into intimacy. Like, what did I do? What did I do? Because, you know, when you first are a baby, your mama tells you when, you know, your mama tells you when to nurse and your daddy changes your diaper and, like, you don't have a lot of say because that's what happens as a new Christian. But then there comes a point when you start going, I think I'm going to be an obnoxious middle schooler and I'm going to tell you who I am, right? That happens in the Christian life too. I've never thought that one time in my life, but it's really true. (laughs) But when you start coming into your own identity as a believer, like who me is, who you is, when you come into that place, I had to start going back. What were the things that I did with the Lord? What were the little sweet things that I did with the Lord? And I would tell you that I'm walking with the Lord all the time. I have very deliberate things that I do. But there are these sweet things. These stop and romance things. These song things. These places I used to go with the only expectation was to see the Lord. To hear from the Lord these little intimate things that only he and I know. So I don't know why we're talking about this. Somebody needs to go back to the things that you did at first. Stop trying to be smarter and fall in love again. Stop working so hard. Come back into it. Okay, I had three words. Performance and pain being replaced. Performance and pain and pretending. Performance, pain, and pretending being replaced by passion and power and purity. 
You got that? Did you say no? <laughs> Pretending? Oh, it just seems broad. Performance, pain, and pretending. What you do with God, what you do with other people, amen? Being replaced with passion and power and purity. These are tools of the kingdom. These are divine weapons. These are the ways that we navigate the days that we are living in. My struggle is not against people from a different political party. My struggle is against an enemy who's trying to whip us up into hatred. My struggle is against a demonic force that's trying to make me hate my God. My struggle is against a demonic force that is making me believe, making you believe, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It's not true. Did God really say? He did say. He's still saying it, and he will say it. In the, male, in the image of God, male and female, he created them, and they will rule, and they will have dominion and multiply, and they will be blessed to be a blessing. He said that, he's still saying it, and he will say it. Because he is a God of life. He does not deviate from his image. He does not deviate from that. And so, come to the table. I wrote down these words. Such were some of you. The most beautiful thing about Jesus is anybody can come to the table. Anybody. Thank God. Like, Literally, do you remember who you were when you came to the table? Do you remember what you did last week? Thank God that there's room at the table. Amen? But the Lord is constantly calling us to align with His ways because His ways are freedom. His ways are peace. His ways are beauty. His ways are truth. Let me see if there's anything else I want to tell you. Okay. What time are we? 10.23. Okay. Galatians 5.1 says it's for freedom that you have been set free. Freedom from what? <clears throat> freedom to be forgiven. Freedom to experience who God really is. Freedom to not be under performance in the law anymore. But here is a really big thing that you've been freed of. Marriage, children, riches, possessions, relationships. We have so distorted the New Testament and the understanding of what Jesus came and did. He elevated every single woman that he met. He took her no, no matter what age or stage or condition, the child, the young child, to the over the widowed woman, Peter's mother-in-law, like every age and stage, sickness, poor, wealthy, whatever, he elevated her, every single woman. If you don't believe me, go back and read the New Testament. But you know the other thing that he did? Is he said this, he said this thing, who are my mother and my brothers? 
we in the West spend our whole life with this fantasy of getting married and having children, or trying to feel okay if we don't get married or we don't have children, or if we lose our husband, or if we lose our children. We spend this whole life in this false secondary definition about what a woman is. When Jesus was trying to go, hey, I want to love you so intensely, so intimately, so beautifully, that it's going to be like, mm, what can I think of? You know, like a man and a woman when they come together. And we got stuck on the man and the woman. Can I tell you a terrifying thing? Please don't do this. I was trying to find some pictures, and I typed in the word, I know, I'm dumb, porn protest. Don't put that in your computer. You can't, just don't do it. Don't do it. I have to go clear my search history before we do church tomorrow night. I'm just telling you. Wow. Do you know that there are actually women who are protesting porn? People are trying to stop the use of porn and get some kind of control around it in the UK. And they are, there are women who are doing protests around porn. Tell me that. Tell me that there's not a demonic force working. Blinding, deceiving, deluding. So the Lord has set us free. So I, I want you to, I'm going to give you a really big rock and you're going to maybe have to, or maybe it's a big something you're going to have to chew on. You don't chew on rocks, but you know what I mean. The picture of marriage is a picture of you and the Lord. The picture of children, mother, father, are about the realities of heaven. The relationship with Father God, with Mother God, with what it looks like, paternal, maternal love, this is what's available. I'm trying to tell you what's available. The picture of being a child to God, you being a child, that's, hey, this is what love looks like in heaven. And so instead of us running after that as that being the be-all, end-all, we run after him and we appreciate every human experience we have that looks like that. But if you are... Whew, If I allowed the loss of my children to make me question the love of God, how strong is my love in the first place? Can I tell you where I am on that very tender, sacred ground? As I thank God, I got 25 years, 25 years, she's going to be 25 in November, 24 years of getting to be a mom, of making memories, of doing wonderful things right and terrible things wrong. And the Lord changed me, so I'm a different person. I'm just like, I'm a completely different person. Not with one child, but with Salem, and with the loss of Judah in a miscarriage, and then with Karis. All those problems, all those difficulties, groaning, changing, fixing, learning how to cry out to the Lord, learning how to pray, learning how to go, God, I don't know what to do. I know your kids, Jana. Just relax. I got your kids. 20 years of that. I got to be a whole new person of myself because the Lord gave me children. Before that, I have a whole lot of story and trauma around marriage, but the Lord was right in the middle of all of it. So now I'm going into this place with the Lord where I, hold on, I have to grab this. The Lord taught me what love was by getting to love my children. And you know what the upgrade I'm getting now, like how my system is getting upgraded now? Is I'm understanding how to love children who don't love me. Who does that sound like? Who does that sound like? 
And so now the Lord, I just would tell the Lord to go and I can't believe that my kids are treating me like this. I can't believe that my kids are acting like this. They hate me after all I've done for, for this. I go, I just ain't going to do for this. And the Lord so clearly goes, girl, I get it. So you get to take every single thing that you're dealt, everything that you walked in here with, every heartache, every rejection, every not right, every injustice, and you get to lay it at the feet of Jesus like perfume because those perfumes are costly. Perfumes are not made because you go pluck a tree, a flower, you crush it, you boil it, you take it down, and then it becomes this fragrant offering. And so it's okay for us to take every heartache, every hurt that we have, and we go crush it, Lord, but make perfume in the end. It's okay for you to do that. It's okay for you to bank on that because our love for God is the most supreme thing that we go after. I have this crazy story I'm going to tell you. I have this ongoing conversation with the Lord and then I'm going to close after this. It's so deeply personal. I'm not going to tell you the whole story because it's like letting you in my bedroom and you don't belong in there. But I have like really deep connections and stories with the Lord. And I had this opportunity to, Chuck was at work. I had this long history with hearts with the Lord since 2010. And Chuck sent me this text of a, a ring. And he goes, you're never going to believe this. I'm having lunch with this person I've never met before. And I commented on her ring, which was a mother of pearl ring. <clears throat> and I said, hey, you know what? This is crazy. My Wife loves hearts. She has this whole crazy God story with God about hearts. And the woman immediately took the ring off and she said, please take it to your wife. Which, bless the Lord for that. What kind of generosity. But then, do you know, he, I brought that ring home and it fit me perfectly. Right? So then, in the last you know, year and a half of taking care of my dad, my dad has been in my home. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. But just the crushing of that in the process of taking care of him, I looked down and my mother of ring, uh, mother pearl ring was crushed. And it was broken and there was like a big gap in it. And I looked and went, oh God, I, I broke the ring that you, that you gave me. And he goes, it's okay, baby. Your heart is broken right now. And it's okay. And I went, well, what are you going to do about that? He goes, see, when you're done being broken, all the pieces will fall out and you'll have more room to love. Wow. Your God does not waste anything in your life. Not one thing, not one tear, not one anger, not one hurt, not one injustice. When he says that I have come to bring life, to restore beauty for ashes, Psalm, Isaiah 61, go read it again. I literally, for 30 years, have come back to that passage and said, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. Please, can I have that? You said I could. I want that. So what I'd like for you to do now, if you're willing, is I think somewhere on your, yep, there they are. <clears throat> you have little bags of clay. Um, and I'm asking you to take just a few minutes. <clears throat> and I want to walk you through this process. If you'll get your bag of clay, <clears throat> you can go ahead and take it out.
If you have your um, little blue sheet that's got the events on it, if you'll turn that over on the back of it and you can work on your clay, here's the process of what I'm asking you to walk through. <coughs> it says in the Old and the New Testament that the, he's going to take out our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, and give us a soft heart. And so right now, you've got a pretty firm piece of clay. And I'd like for you just to please don't talk, but talk to the Lord about Him forming your heart, taking your heart of stone. Maybe your heart is so alive, but you've got stone places. Do you know what I mean? Those places where you close the Lord off. And that you have to get in there and you have to work it in your hands and soften it. And then once you've got it fully softened, here's another thing you have to do. This is so crazy. You have to push down hard on it because if you don't, it will get an air pocket in it and it will crack it when you're all done. So you're gonna have to get some muscle in this thing and flatten it out and shape it and make it soft. And then I'd like for you to put it in the shape of a heart, whatever shape that you like. Do you understand the instructions? Okay, let me just pray for you real quick. Lord, I pray that <clears throat> just like you're the potter and we are the clay, Lord, that you would give us revelation about what it means that you are forming us and shaping us. That all of life is useful in your hands. You don't cause wickedness to us, Lord, but you will certainly um, be with us in it and it will shape us and form us. I just pray for just a softening of our hearts in every area toward you. Yeah, be comforted, Lord. Just be comforted to know that your hands are so all over us, shaping us, caring for us. Yeah, do that, please, Lord. Thank you. Amen.